Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Spiritist Conversations, a show where we sit down with friends to talk about the world through a Spiritist lens in an informal, unscripted, and unplugged way. I'm Dennis Sisi, and our Christmas conversation today is about, well, you guessed it, Christ. So pull up a chair and join us. We are broadcasting this episode to YouTube and Facebook. And if you want to interact with us live, please head over to the Spiritist Conversations page, or we may not be able to see your comments. So that's all the um, quick announcements that we have. And we can dive straight into the conversation, which is what we really care about at the end of the day. And I'm very glad to be joined here by my good friend, Flavio Zanetti. Hey, Flavio, how are you doing? Doing fantastic, Dan. How are you? Good, good. I hear that you're having some computer problems today. Tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, my computer decided to run some upgrades right five minutes before we scheduled this get-together. So go figure. I'm uh, connecting live from my cell phone today instead. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Christmas gift for today. <laughs> um, and Flavio, I'm really excited today because our episode, this is a special one, right? We are calling it Follow Christ and Not Christians. And we have a friend that we want to bring on as well. Absolutely. A very dear friend that joins us from Nashville, Tennessee. Hi, Welcome, everyone. Marcia. Thank you. Thank you so and much for, for the opportunity to be here. I'm really excited to be in this conversation with both of you. And everyone, this is Marcia Trajano. She has been a great friend to ours. It's always great to see her in different places. Um, and today, we get to have her presence here with us as we tackle this very interesting topic. Um, you know, and our topic is Christmas and Christ in general. So we can stop and let that sit right there and see how do we want to start this, this stuff today, people? I think we should, uh, we should start by talking about Christmas. Ah, Christmas. <laughs> that's that's the, uh, the, the season to be jolly, I guess. Are we jolly? <laughs> I mean, that's the first question. Are we, are we in the mood? I mean, you can see us. For folks that are just listening to us, Dan and I both are wearing, you know, red shirts or red, you know, uh, uh, sweatshirts. And Marcia has this beautiful uh, Christmas hat on. So we all found a way to dress in red today, some way, shape, or form. Um, great description, Flavio, especially because, you know, maybe red is our color from now on. Maybe we should do this more often. <laughs> what planned a uh, or unplanned or unscript a way to dress for the for the show? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, That's awesome. no. no. <laughs> but I think, but I think it it answers your initial question. We definitely are feeling the season, right? It seems to be the season. Tis the season, but the season for what? People, what is Christmas all about? I think that maybe that's a great conversation starter for us there. Because we all have this image of what Christmas is or should be. And while that is, for me, one of the most wonderful parts of the year, some folks might have different expectations. So, so what's Christmas for you guys? What are you most excited about Christmas? Food. Always. <laughs> There's always the food component. We all know that. All the get-togethers, the time spent with family, friends, all those things. Those are all important things that we do, right, during Christmas time. That's not the only thing that we do, correct, Marcia? Yes. For me, it's about the time that we take to do things like decorating your place, to put lights. And, and there's a lot of, uh, in my opinion, meaning that goes into a simple turn on uh, light that you wouldn't otherwise, right? But in the simple... Um, step the simple pausing everything to to make your home inward we we get to to to, to create that sense in you in my heart this is at least how i see it that is very warm and it's very welcoming and at the center is is that emotion that binds the family together that's how i see christmas no matter where you're from right jamaica brazil Bora Bora, it doesn't matter. It, it, it still have that sense of warmth and, uh, and family traditions. Hey, Dan, I think you're on mute. I am definitely on mute. I have this new <laughs> microphone and I tap on top of it to unmute and I keep <laughs> forgetting that. And then 
And, you know, I have to count on my friend Flavio to save me here. Um, every Always. Time. Thank you, Flavio. But I, I was going to say, this is a great moment for us to also take a step back and the knowledge that we might have folks that are listening to us who may not be Christian. And that's very okay. We welcome everybody. And as a matter of fact, we want to wish you happy holidays too. We know there are many different traditions around the world who are celebrating a special day towards the end of the year. So thank you for being here. And I think that's sort of like a good way to start too, because, you know, I think that the elephant in the room for this conversation today is the idea of Christianity, at least for me, right? Which is, I think that in many different ways, we have inherited a idea of what to be Christian looks like. And that may or may not be aligned with what the Christ actually did or preached. Ah. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I think that's a, a great place for us to start because sometimes it's almost like that game of telephone, you know, like when you're a child and somebody whispers a message in your ear and you're supposed to pass it on to the next person and the next person and the next person. And at the end of the day, when the message comes back to you, it may not be the original message. And so sometimes that's how I feel, right? I look out there and I see Christians or so-called Christians not behaving Christ-like. But why, why would that be the case? Ah, good question. I wonder, ah. if, I wonder if our ego gets in the way, Flavio. What do you think? I, I think I'm going to quote Kardec because, you know, he knows better than we do, I'm sure. In the uh, introduction of the gospel according to spiritism, there's something that's uh, that's very poignant, at least to me when I first read it many, many years ago. Uh, I'm not going to divulge my age here. Sorry. Nice try. Uh, before Christmas was invented. Before, of course, well, sort of. And uh, Kardec talks about uh, that the gospel was, the, Jesus' gospel was, you know, divided in five parts. You guys remember that? The first part was the ordinary events of the life of Christ, life of Jesus, the miracles, the prophecies, and the, uh, the word that served to establish some of the dogmas for different churches and whatnot. And the last was the moral teachings. Was it really, really had to do with moral teachings. The first four have been the object of a lot of controversy amongst different Christian traditions. The only the last one has really remained unassailable. So I think that that explains why we see a lot of different you know, non-Christ-like behaviors. Because folks interpret in their own way, based on their own biases and, and the way of seeing life, right? Yeah, I think that's a, a great way of looking at it, Flavio. And I think that it's just only normal too, right? Because I think that um, there was a fundamental shift that mm -hmm. happened when Christ was crucified, right? And I think that's a very important, of course, milestone for all Christians, regardless of denomination. But I also mean that from a communications perspective, because until then, it was really about um, the religion of Christ, what Christ was doing or how he did it, right? Yep. Uh, himself. After that, it became of like, how do we carry the mantle on? And it became the religion about Christ. It became about how do we understand what he has done and why? And I think that's when things obviously start to shift. And I think that he was wise enough to also not leave anything written down so that we could struggle with that and figure things out right by ourselves. So mm -hmm. I think that those different interpretations come into play. And then we come into, you know, social groups together and we make our own rules. And here are the three of us. And we think this is what Christianity looks like. And we start telling our kids about that. And then maybe another group does the same thing over there. Right. Join. And we start to have a different, different, different perspectives about what what it is to be. Uh, Christian-like. So I wonder if through the times we have forgotten to go back to the origin, right, and reevaluate what Christ actually did, and we are just trusting more like our parents and our elders than going back to the source, if that makes sense. It's a very good point, uh, Daniel, right? Uh, because for me, religiosity and, and hence the the theme of today's uh, discussion, right? Follow Christ, not Christian. We we have our religions, and uh, from Christianity perspective, uh, it has metamorphosized. Sorry, it has changed into many different Christian religions, and we we owe to the expression of faith uh, 
to follow the elders, if you will. And I think it's important because on one hand, it demonstrates our love for God, right, through our religion. But we're, we're missing the point. It, it, the religion is there to help us, remind us what is that is Christ. So maybe we could talk a little bit more about what is it that we may be missing. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 can, I can take a stab at it. I think, Marcin, what we're missing is uh, rationalizing Christ's teachings as they are applicable to our lives. Because mm -hmm. for the most part, we followed traditions where that was taught you know, to us. That was, some of those were indoctrinated you know, down our throats. We never really questioned what we were being given as far as teachings and knowledge and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I admire about Spiritism is it invites us to make those critical you know, thinking decisions right, for ourselves. Does this make sense? What was Jesus trying to do when he said X, Y, and Z? And oftentimes we just, oh yeah, so-and-so or some pastor here or some priest there or some religious person over there told me to do X, therefore I'm doing it without even questioning if it makes sense or not. Yeah. I think bringing that, to our, bringing that to our cognitive abilities is what's been missing for many, many years. Great point. Great point, Flavio. And I can kind of... Um you know, hop on your bandwagon here and, and, and kind of go on that one as well, because I think you're right. I think that <clears throat> to be more direct, right, is uh, maybe we can say that we see a lot of um, priests and a lot of pastors and denominations and churches out there who perhaps take a stance that is not what I would interpret to be aligned with the message of Christ. Mm -hmm. And that is they take a stance where they are actually separating people. And they're actually saying, you know, this kind of people cannot come to our congregation or this mm -hmm. kind of people are not mm -hmm. truly Christians or this kind of people are going to go to hell. Right. Mm -hmm. Because of specific, <laughs> be it like, you know, be it like uh, 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 sexual orientation, be about political inclination, even gender sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, we have some funky things there that when I look back to the teachings and the stories that I hear about Christ in the New Testament, I find a very different Christ than the ones that they speak of, right? Mm -hmm. I find a Christ of love and acceptance and not one of separation, right? I don't find a Christ who says, I'm not going to hang out with you. I find a Christ that was like hanging out with uh, women of the night, where I'm hanging out with tax collectors, mm -hmm. where I was hanging out with tax collectors were not very well liked, right? At the time, mm -hmm. who likes tax collectors anyways, right? Let's mm -hmm. be even to this day, who likes the IRS? Not so much. Um, and who also hang out with people with different ethnicities and different backgrounds. We have tons yeah. of story, story, stories where he talks to women, for instance, which was a big no-no, right? To talk to unaccompanied women at the time, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. like with women of other ethnicities, like the Samaritan women at Jacob yeah. Wall, for instance. He's not supposed to talk to a woman in the company, much less a Samaritan. And he says, no, I'm just going to talk to everybody because I treat everybody the same. And yeah. so... These are kind of examples that once you start looking at them, you ask yourself, eh, I don't know if I don't a lot of the message that we're hearing out there that comes from so-called Christians is really about Christ. Can I say something else here? Then I, I know uh, as you're talking about this, this well-rounded um, uh, view of Christ, right? And he, he exemplified in in the culture of the time going against certain certain behaviors, accepted behaviors such as uh, talking to the unaccompanied uh, women, the Samaritan woman. But I think it's important for us to to understand. On one hand, uh, he demonstrate a, a very revolutionary viewpoint of behavior, which is the true behavior that extrapolates any culture, any time, right? It is timeless, it's boundless, it's it's limitless with what he said. But the other thing is um, the most revolutionary message that Christ gave to us indeed was that to love your enemy, right? And, and when you love your enemy, up until then, no other religion has ever written down or, or, or spoke about that. So I think it's really amazing because for you to love your enemy, you have to forego of judgment. And if you forego of judgment, then you no longer can cast aside 
be it uh, individuals from different sexual orientation, political party, as you mentioned, right? Or whatever that may be. So I think that in itself is the most uh, universal message of, 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 of uh, Jesus Christ, which is the message of love, unconditionally. So, what I'm hearing from the both of you is that Jesus was revolutionary. <clears throat> he was at the forefront of the uh, transformation of our world back then. He was a progressive thinker. But how come so many... Uh, uh, traditions that follow Christ are the right opposite of that. What, what was lost halfway through the, the way? Ah, great question, Flavio. You're in a questioning mood today, I can tell. Always. And, uh, I, think, and I think that you use questions today to deflect speaking. I like that technique too. I like that. Um, well, I have no problem speaking, as you know for sure by now. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm just, I'm just uh, it, it's poignant to think about one Jesus as we, I mean, we all study the gospel, Jesus' life, right? And so forth. It's one thing to look at Jesus, what he preached when he was amongst us, and see how Jesus is perceived 2,000 years ago, and those two sometimes don't match. What was lost in translation, maybe? I think it's the uh, it's the area that I love for us to delve into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And I think that he has to go back to that shift and responsibility to us, right? I think that what was lost is that we were unable to keep our eyes on the prize and go back to the origin. And I think that we, and it's understandable, right? Because as we get together as a group and we start to kind of figure out how we are going to interact with each other, uh, we might make sacrifices. We might have to kind of do different things. And I think it's only normal that we end up losing sight a little bit of the, the original piece. The question is, can we go back? Can we go back? Because are we putting our own identity of our group above the message, right? Is it more important to, for me today to feel good about being Christian or is it more important for me to be Christ-like? Mm -hmm. well, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, uh, there's also a, a little wrinkle, right? When we talked about early Christian, and you mentioned, I, I love what you said, right? Who was this figure uh, who preferred or did not bother to speak with the non-accepted? So uh, from a marginal perspective, right, he really uh, spoke with the outcasts, those, uh, those individuals that really were outside, you know, in the margins of society. They were not in the mainstream. And he didn't care. But I, I think it's so important for us to also remember, I don't know, but uh, when, we, when we talk about the history of the religion itself, at some point, maybe about 400, 500 years ago, when Rome says, right, Christianity is our official religion, Christianity took on imperial characteristics and i think it's important for us to remember that it it did something amazing which is the the even bigger widespread of the message of the christ through all the corners of the world because of course rome was everywhere but at the same time the attributes to christ became associated a lot with the elite the emperor the those characteristics that are very much against what Jesus brought, which was that the, 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 the loving person that loved everybody, regardless, regardless of your origin, your 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 gender, your age, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think it's important for us to to understand that in the two thousand years that uh, that uh, are between us and, and Jesus, there also that's there's the seminal event of uh, Christianity becoming a Roman Catholic religion right yes yes i think so i think you, you think you know that and i think you're talking about the emperor constantine right in yeah. the fourth century um yeah. the common era yeah. when we do that and i think a lot of historians have pointed that part as a shift from the religion of the persecuted yeah to the the religion of the persecutor right you become now the the you're the authority you are in the majority and now you have a power to tell people to behave a specific way and you're corrupted 
right? You have not learned your lesson from three centuries ago when you were beaten down and persecuted mm -hmm. and you know how much it hurt. And then once you climb into power, you go back and you do exactly uh, what was done to you to other people, right? Not so in a good way. If we shift the conversation, if I may, if uh, this is this just came to my mind, if we shift the conversation, because at some point you ask, you asked Dan, is it about our ego? So if we put that shift from being humble and, you know, with the humble beginnings into now you are the all powerful religion in this case, how does it also work with us in, in, in the if we think about our ego, right? And how we behave um, as Christians following Christ or following whatever else. Do we, do we prefer from our material self if our need to be respected, to be, you know, all powerful or are we going to our inner self, our spiritual truth, which is that of a Christ-like? I, Marcia, I think I think it's uh, it's good that you're touching on all these things because um, mm -hmm. history really serves us. So so I love a quote that goes somewhere along the lines: "History is not a good prediction of what's going to happen in the future, but it's a good way for us to understand what happened in the past." I think that the the, uh, the challenge that we should all think about is how do we not fall under the same traps as what happened in the past and look into the future and what can spiritism do? To help us see the Christ very much so as he came here to show his life. I think uh, uh, it would be, would be uh, uh, um, uh, impossible to do that if you don't look into, for example, the, uh, the Sermon of the Mount. Where, I mean, a lot of what he, his teachings were, were based in the Sermon of the Mount. Even so that Gandhi once said that if all the religious books got lost and we only had the Sermon of the Mount... Humanity was safe because we could trace back from the Sermon of the Mount. And I think a lot of folks, uh, uh, they focus their interpretation on Christ based on their needs, based on their group settings and whatnot. But if you look back, what was his message like? Loving one another, caring for one another, looking at everybody, everybody the same. Mm -hmm. Not just my neighbor, not just those that look like me, not just those that speak like I do and so forth. But all of us, the same, right? Not separating anybody. Everybody's welcome from all walks of life, right? Let's call it this way. I think if you look at this, it gives us a perspective through the Sermon of the Mount, what you do in the future to connect back with the original Christ. That'll be my I suggestion. I love no, that. I love, I love you. Mm -hmm. And I think that it has to do with helping others too. I'm going to add two items to that list, right? Not only <laughs> accepting, but actually actively lending a hand to other people as well, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I would add one more. I think that's w w where our perspective, um, I think that's the core of it, but I would add one more layer that I think spiritism brings to us, which is immortality of the soul, right? Thank you, I think that thank you. Yeah. Before Christ, we can argue that all these things, right? Like the, 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 the you know, love one another, they're all important and they've always been there. But I think what's fundamentally important too is, with Christ, we have we have the resurrection, right? Quote, quote, resurrection, mm -hmm. where he actually comes back to tell us that there is no death, right? That the spirit survives. And I think that is super important because that spiritual <sighs> perspective helps us understand everything else that Flavio was talking about. When we yes. understand reincarnation, of course, we cannot be discriminating of other people because today I might be a man. Tomorrow I might be a woman. Today I might be Latin. Tomorrow I might be European, and and the day after Asian, right? So the the dressing does not matter as much as the essence. So I love <laughs> that we are able to recenter there. So so good thing that you mentioned this, Dan, because if it was not for that Sunday that Jesus came back to show himself or to prove to those non-believers the, the life went to haters, the life went on. Imagine if I were to tell you. Oh, you do all these things, and your end is going to suffer like crazy. We're going to beat you. We're going to crucify you. Would you follow such thing? Probably not. It doesn't make right? tons of sense, right? <laughs> Zero <laughs> sense. Yeah. It's, just like, it's like, believe me, you know, like, you got to be good because just, just believe me on that one, right? Just, yeah. just believe me on that one, just because just I said, right? I think that the yeah. Christ piece shifts that and say, don't just do stuff because I told you. 
let me show you, right? And he's about showing you all the time. So he even shows us that death is not the end of us because he does the resurrection piece, right? Mm -hmm. Big deal. But he also tells us that everything that he has done, we too can do. Uh -huh. And I think that's a major connection point and inflection point that is, is hard for us sometimes to kind of um, internalize because he seems so elevated, so apart from who we are that we think that he is in a special category, like he was always that way, right? Yeah. And of course, he is in a special category. Make no mistake about that, right? But it says that we can get to that point eventually. It's going to take a very long time. But we and, and I think that's, uh, that uh, sorry to interrupt, and this is to me the most uh, amazing message. I, I talked about that one of loving, right? Loving your enemy, but also the fact that uh, we're not perfect. Right, none of us. But Speak for yourself, able... Marcia. <laughs> Clearly, she did not get the memo. Then. Clearly, she did not get her memo. Invitation memo. <laughs> but uh, but we're able to get to, to that point one time, and that goes again, of course, with the message of uh, immortal, the immortality of our souls. So I think this is it's just such a, a sense of comfort that. Uh, me, when I look at myself and I look at all the things that I, I'm not good yet, that I, I resent on myself, it's okay. Let's, let's be loving of the enemy, including the enemy inside of me, right? Because so, the message is of love. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, what strikes me from your comment, Marcia, is, is um, we're not perfect. None of us are, mm -hmm. as, you, as you alluded to. Even though I may not believe everything, I'm just kidding. We're not perfect. <laughs> But even those that are transmitting Christ's message are not perfect either. Correct. Those that are at religious, you know, standings, and sometimes when we talk about Jesus and the gospel, none of us, right? Uh, 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 none of us are perfect. But when we look at that, it's really important to differentiate Christ's message with Joe Blow's message, with you know Maria's soul message, because that's not the yeah. same message. That's, yes. that's Flavio's interpretation of the message. That's Marcia's interpretation of the message, right? That's the so-and-so's interpretation of the message. When you look at that, it, it helps us to see things in a much broader perspective. At least for me, it does. I'm not sure for you guys. But it, yeah. it helps us to see things in a much broader perspective. I love yeah. that, Flavio. I think that you drive, I think you're driving home a good point, right? We have to mm -hmm. separate the messenger and the message. From the message. Right? Yeah. Because the message is what matters but sometimes we we lose track because we're just seeing the messenger right so while there may be congregations or denominations out there which you could argue are perhaps not exactly following the exact footsteps of christ right it doesn't it it, it doesn't help the message but that's not the message right mm -hmm. so that's the exception we got to go back to the message and i think that's the really hard question that maybe we want to helicopter into you know this christmas is are we going back to the message are we spending time to to go back actually the question maybe the sub question is how do you know of the christ how does your knowledge of what the christ is or has done comes to you does it come through somebody else did you mm -hmm. read it for yourself have you had time to think about it or are you just accepting that from somebody else i think that might be more of a central question for yeah. us to reflect during this christmas period I, I i think it's threefold right like like as we learn we learn at school right mm -hmm. we learn in our family settings and you learn from our churches without from our traditions from our congregations right those are the three places that we learn you know by you know, about christ some more than the others right but that's pretty much how we learn from it. And then if the message that we know was uh, uh, was given to us based on somebody else's interpretation of the crisis message, right? It's the, the uh, uh, what is it, the, yellow, the elephant game? When the, uh, the elephants, I mean, the uh, little end, right? It ends up becoming a big elephant. So the message gets, you know, misrepresented throughout the years and throughout history and context mm -hmm. and cultures. Yes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think the question is, how do we keep the message fresh? I, I'm going to go back to my point before. I think it is through the Sermon of the Mount. 
-hmm. it is mm -hmm. it is through there i mean knowing what jesus you know and for those who are following us the sermon of the mount is found in uh, matthew chapter 5 all the way up to chapter 7 where jesus really i mean you, you may have seen right the sermon of the mount some bits and pieces of that the beatitudes that jesus shared with us the uh, uh um uh our holy father or the prayer i mean there's a lot of things that are there that we know bits and pieces but if really i think to me that's that's the foundation or the platform for christ's teachings as emmanuel says yeah yeah and i think that that there's tons of of unpacking that we could do there right about the sermon mm -hmm. of the mountain in general i think there's beautiful messages there and i think you might recall the poetic nature of it too blessed are those right um, so there's uh -huh. a really beautiful poetic piece that touches us. But but I want to say that the most beautiful Sermon on the Mount is his entire passage with us, is his existence, right? Yes. Because he, he's a, the, the oh, interpretation sure. of all that. So I want to make that connection too because we were talking about here earlier about all the history, and I think you brought in a good point, Flavio, about the future, is, all right, so how does that change us? Like what does that change how we do and behave? Because ultimately, that's what matters, right? What is it that we're doing if we want to bear that name of Christian, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think is something that Luke came up with uh, after the fact. Um, how do we how do we honor that? So to be a Christian may not be to be part of a denomination and act like the group of people that you know on your church. Mm -hmm. Although that's really great to be in community. Make no mistake, right? We're not saying denominations yeah. or church is a bad thing. Quite the opposite. Things a great thing. But I'm saying, like, we have the responsibility to think bigger and ask, you know, am I following Christ or am I following a group of people first? Like, what's more important? And I think that's a difficult question of our times because it's there's a lot of power and beauty in being part of a community. Mm -hmm. But that might not make sense if that community is not exactly doing what you think is most important. Yeah, and, and I think... Um... Danny, if I, I start unpacking, because this is such a great message for us to, to think about. How, how, how do I honor the name of, that I, I give myself, that I am Christian? How can I be Christ-like? And, and there's so many different aspects of how to do that. And one of them, I love it, uh, Flavio, is to study 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 Christ study his life his teachings but most importantly is to this is this is my, my thought process here is to 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 be forgiving of yourself right to to be brave enough to 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 undergo that um, amazing journey which is that self-discovery and uh, inner transformation to look to look at the new man and and, and leave the uh, the old man behind because uh -huh. we we can become Christ-like even if we're not today or even yesterday or or 30, 30 incarnations ago but uh, the the possibility of becoming Christ-like is is the, the 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 light that shines bright and pure. Or yeah, I think the, the question right? or more yeah more and more Christ-like as we go. Yeah. yeah, more and more press like as we go through this, right? As we go through our lives, I I, I believe the uh, the the uh, the sixty four thousand dollar question here is, mm -hmm. uh, if Christ was here right now, what would he do uh, in my shoes, walking in my shoes? I think if we ask that question at all times, we try to really benchmark our behaviors and hopefully getting closer and closer to what that Christ like behavior we expect ourselves to be one day. I think having that mindset or that you know uh, the journey of the light at the end of the tunnel that we want to position ourselves at and building the milestones to get there i think that's the recipe folks at least for me right my mind works in a, a, a cartesian logical ways right if, if <laughs> i can't throw a lot of things ahead of me i have to have a path to get there otherwise i get lost right no i love that and i think that part of it um is also about thinking what our understand because because at the focus of at the center of that lens is what you understand the Christ to be. Correct. Right. So so that the how you're going to behave in many different ways is going to depend on how you understand the Christ to be. So I love that mm -hmm. how you brought that up because I think it's time for us to ask ourselves 
what is it a Christ that we understand? Like, what is it to be like Christ? And then how do I act like it? So I think there's a twofold like plan of action, right? First, let me make sure that I check my assumptions and I know mm-hmm. what I'm really focused on. And then how do I put that into practice? Um, and I think that the most fundamental lesson that I take away from the Christ, if I were to simplify his message, which is hard, right? But mm-hmm. I think Marsha has already done it. It's love, right? Mm-hmm. But if I were to add the layer that I'm missing the most in my life, or I feel like historically we have missed the most, is that spiritual component that he had always thought when ha- when he was here on earth about spirituality in general. He was always thinking about a mortal spirit. He was always speaking to the mortal mm-hmm. spirit. So mm-hmm. he was not just worried about your decision here and now. Yes, that too. But he was worried about teaching us that we go beyond the physical. And so I wonder if I bring that frame into my own life when I make my decisions. Am I just thinking about how do I make my physical life more comfortable? Or do I have the foresight that he had to say and understand that we are going to live more than once? Right? Because, I mean, he's got those parts and those prophecies and those kind of things when he says at the end, right, for a little bit, I'm with you. And then for a little bit, I will not be with you. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. So clearly, he's thinking about the future. Right? He's saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. I'm with you now. Then you're going to feel like I'm not with you, but then I will come back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would argue that that's how we feel. I think he's always been with us. The question is whether we feel he's there or not and whether we feel like we need to have him in the physical sense to be with him. But his teachings and his message have always been with us, right? Um, and so, so I think it's a great way that you framed that for us, Flavio. Like, what is it that we believe in and how do we put it into practice? I remember many, many years ago when I was teaching uh, youth folk, youth kids, or kids, or youth mm-hmm. teenagers, I should say, and uh, I we, we were talking about how we how do we get closer and closer to God, I mean to, to Jesus' behaviors, right? And uh, one of the one of the uh, very you know uh, smarty pants student in of ours back then said, "Well, you know, maybe we could be more this this and follow God and this." And so what I'm going to do is my plan is every week I'm going to work on something. So maybe first week I'm going to work on patience, second week I'm going to work on knowledge. And he, he laid out, he planned, his plan, every single week he was going to work on something to be better at that something. And I thought I found very ingenious because uh, 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 you can't work on everything all the time, but there are some things you can focus on. So if there are some, some, some cues that I, maybe I need to forgive more, or maybe I need to be more, more patient, right? Maybe I need mm-hmm. to spread more kindness. Maybe I need to have, you know, break some more charity, right? Or whatever it is that we feel we, we lack, let's put a plan in place with our own lives and build momentum to address those. And I mean, that, you know, teenager 20-something years ago taught me a very valuable lesson because I still hold the truth to my, my you know, to my days. I'd love to say something. Yeah, I'd love to say something. Yeah. What's this guy called Benjamin? Because I know. That's what I say. <laughs> No, we're not talking about the 13 virtues. No, 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 no. I'm not that old. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that old. Come on, I'm not that old. But Ben Franklin did exactly that. Yeah, the 13 virtues, yeah. Right? For anyone who has not uh, read about it, it's uh, ingenious. Because it doesn't, it's not self, it's self-prescripted. He did not say, I will work on those 13. There are how many? 52 weeks in the year right so he divided four times and he would do it one two three four five da, 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 and repeat. Repeat him, yeah. yeah yeah but what was so interesting is when asked so are you good Ben you know at, in his deathbed and he says no but a much better person because of it I did not master any of those 13 qualities that he was trying to achieve. <laughs> and, I, and I think this is it. It's very simple. How can we look at ourselves and choose? Uh, I don't know. For, for me today, maybe to, to, I don't know, let's say I will be more disciplined or I may be more caring, more generous, whatever that may be. And let's look into my own way to, to see my own uh, measurement, Right. It's calibrated against my own life, my own self-reflection, and and we can be such better people and uh, and and follow those 
uh, those beatitudes or or the teachings that Christ uh, left with us. Yeah, and I love that because I think that more important than, well, it's not as, maybe what I'm trying to say is, maybe it's not as important how you do it, but uh-huh. that you do it. Right. Correct. Whatever yes. plan that you do, maybe maybe Benjamin's Franklin's 13 virtues are for you. Maybe they're not. Doesn't matter. But whatever it is, like we've got to find a way of working on things that we think are important to us. Speaking of being important, I think you mentioned something that we're going to do today uh, as we have this new tradition for our conversations. And I think it's about time so we can really shift our gears a little bit towards that. Then what do you say? Ah, sounds good. Sounds good. We've done this before, but maybe, maybe it's rapid fire round where we get to ask really rapid fire questions of you um, and get to learn more about you guys. Are you guys ready? So Go before forward. before we get there, I want to I want to comment on Dan's you know graphic designs amazing hashtag not so amazing skills that he put something called rapid fire something on the screen that looked very cheesy, but. We are going to do some rapid fire, you know, Q and A's. I guess. Look at this. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so this is the moment where we take a break, right, from um, from (laughs) from our long discussions and go a little bit shorter. So, rapid fire. So, what Christmas tradition do you enjoy the most, Flavio? Setting up the Christmas tree with the kids. It's amazing. I did that with my parents growing up. I think it still is a. It's a great tradition. It's a great time to spend with family and, and put the uh, the Christmas tree, the lights, and the whole shebang, right, of things. I love it. How about you, Marcia? For me, and uh, I'm the dinosaur in the room, I believe. I love writing Christmas cards. I Speaking I of which, I got a Christmas card today, Marcia. Thank you. <laughs> I, so awesome. I, can, I can vouch for that. Yes, that's true. She, she still writes Christmas cards. And, Marcia uh, Randy, yeah. Thank you for yeah. that. Thank you. And, and, and for me, it's, it's where you pour all your love in the act of, you know, and it may not be the most eloquent or the most beautiful, but that time that you set every year to, to, to think of the person and wish well, to me, it's absolutely my favorite time. I love that. What about you, Dan? What's your tradition? I I love the Christmas tree too, Flavio. Um, But since you said that, I think I'm going to go ahead and shift it to listening to Christmas music everywhere. Really? That's so cheesy. I I know. It's very cheesy. Very cheesy. But I do like cheese. And um, I think it's it's nice because it kind of gets me in the mood, right? Um, And just kind of thinking about this. But um, and I also think that doing that in like in a little bit of a, a cold weather piece is nice, right? Just I think kind of draws you into reflection. So, all right. So since we are talking about Christmas trees, um, what's 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 special about your Christmas tree, Flavio? Mm, nothing really special. It, it's a, a regular Christmas tree with a bunch of lights and a bunch of you know decorations. Mm-hmm. Nothing really special about the tree. I think what's special is getting the tree set up. It's the process, the journey, not the, not so much the destination, to be honest. <laughs> Even though if my wife is, is listening to this, I'm sorry, honey, I, I'm nothing against the tree. It's still a very beautiful tree, very colorful. Lights are blinking, I love it. But it's the whole time you know, we spend together. It's mm-hmm. building with the kiddos. It's, uh, hey, what about this, what about that? Getting the letters, climb up. We're put, I think the whole, uh, 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 the journey to get the final product done. Yeah, I think that's what matters. And by the way, that's the same with happiness, right? I mean, happiness yeah. is not destination; it's a journey. Yeah. And shout out to Flavio's wife, who, by the way, is named Flavia. They are very original over there in that family, Flavio and Flavia. But the thing about Flavia that's absolutely amazing: she is a master of arts and crafts. So oh, awesome. I imagine that Flavio's. Uh, um, you know, Christmas tree must be like a beautiful Christmas tree if if it was done by Flavia. <laughs> you are 100% correct. It was done mostly by her. I'm only the one putting things from her commands. Mm-hmm. You're, you're spot on then. And Marcia, how about you? Any um, uh, fun uh, details about your Christmas tree? Well, um, 
then what I've done in the past, oh, I don't know, since the kids are grown, so the past decade or so, I've asked that they themselves make a Christmas decoration for me. And uh, seeing slowly being built, uh, uh, this beauty, there's no, there's no nothing, there's no limit to size or material or anything, but it's just they, those ornaments that go into a tree are very, very special to me. Wow. I love that. And I have something similar, and that's my favorite part too. Um, I'm going to marry what Flavio and Marcia said. So what we have in our family is a tradition of getting Christmas ornaments throughout the year for whatever it is that we've done together, right? And so if we travel somewhere, we get an, or, an ornament from, from the place that we travel to. And our process of putting the tree together is bringing all these ornaments from these past years and putting them uh, one at a time and remembering um, where we were together. And it's just a, such a lovely, a lovely uh, moment for us. So I, I'm 100% on board with Flavio's comment about the process, right? Just spending the time and making those memories. So in many different ways, our Christmas tree is a memory tree, right? Um, Love it. All those wonderful moments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Ready for some true and false questions? We'll do two of them. Sure. Okay. The tradition here, true or false, the tradition of leaving Santa a little snack to help him in his journey started in the U.S., true or false? I don't oh, like know. Milk, milk and cookies? Yeah. Right? It started in the U.S.? I would say, um, I don't know. I'd say it's false. I think it's, I think it's true. Ah, look at him, hedging your bets I, there. I, mean, I think it's true because, because I don't know if other countries have the same uh, custom or habit of, of eating cookies with milk. Mm -hmm. So I'm just tying the cookies and milk with the U.S., so that's my my uh, all your my, anthropological, my your anthropological and sociological training kick it in there, Fabio. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, actually, it is false. Uh, the tradition started in uh, it's a it's Dutch tradition. It was Dutch. Uh, it's, oh my yes, god! It's Dutch. It started with on Saint Nicholas Day on December sixth, where Dutch children would leave him food and drinks to be exchanged for gifts overnight. Right. Mm -hmm. So so look at that. So, you know, our, our milk and cookies, I thought it was a very American tradition. The first not so, not so American like that. I got I got the, the I got the sound. <laughs> and so since we're talking about traditions, let's do another one as well. Um, OK. You, uh, so did you, uh, the tradition, this is a statement you're going to say, tell me what is true or false. Are you ready? OK, let's go. The tradition of hanging Christmas stockings started by accident. Christmas stockings started by accident. I, I, I'm gonna go my my anthropo, anthropo, anthropo sociological mindset. Probably yes, because women were, were putting their stockings to to dry in front of the fireplace, and then they just left there, and then you know eventually Santa just left some gifts inside of them. Maybe I would say yes. It was by accident. You nailed it. You nailed it, Flavio, because um, according to legend, right, it was a man who um, didn't have a dowry for his for his daughters. Um, and so they washed their socks and hung by the fireplace to dry. And then generous old son Nick dropped by and left a little bit of gold in each of their socks so they could use it as dowry for their um, for their for their weddings. Right. So, yes, I think that the, the, the stockings piece is also uh, something nice and new. Really? Interesting. Very interesting. My, my apologies. Uh, we just had a power, a slight power outage. My apologies. No worries. No worries. Um, all right. So, false. I'm, I'm excited to hear. Oh, it was, it was, uh, it was true. It was true. So, t so tell me, can you uh, repeat that? I'm really interested to know. Where did uh, that? Where did it begin? No, nope, too late. You dropped oh. out. We, we don't oh. get to repeat it. Right. Oh, I think no. She's not. She hasn't dropped again. No, she's back. No, oh. it was true. It was true, Marcia. It was uh, um, according to legend. It was um, uh, a man had some daughters, and he was not doing financially well, oh. and you know they he didn't have enough money for their dowries, 
yeah. right? to pay for 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 their weddings and and so forth. And then so they washed their socks and 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 hung them to dry in the fireplace overnight, which is the logical place for you to do that, right? Exactly. Um, so apparently, old Saint Nick dropped by and left a little bit of gold in there. So, oh, I love it! I love it. <laughs> so, coincidentally, I was talking to a coworker today about Christmas traditions. Yes. And I have one. I mean, very, very. You know, well, right off the oven here for you guys. Go ahead. Um, there is a unique tra Christmas tradition that on Christmas Eve, all broomsticks are hidden out of sight, and that actually started in Norway. Is that true or false? Ah, hiding the broomstick. I hiding broomsticks. And started in in Norway, so there are two components of there. Yeah. So so why? I mean, it's it's uh, the thinking here is that the night before Christmas, bad witches and spirits will come out, and if their broomsticks are to be found, they'll take them and fly them away into the skies. Wow, That's the reason that, for that. That is very interesting. I'm going to go for a truth. Yeah, it's gotta be true, right? So, it is, but I it love is that so we're mixing all kinds of traditions in Christmas. So, so here's what I told my friend because he's he's, he's Norwegian, right? So, so I heard this in Salem, Massachusetts. This is the town of the witches. He goes, no, 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 no. So the answer is true. In Norway, there's this tradition that in Christmas Eve, everybody hides their broomsticks because it was believed that the witches would take them and fly them away with evil spirits and whatnot. But this again. We talked about that on our Halloween, right? If you have not listened to our Halloween podcast, our Halloween episode of Conversations, there goes our, our spoiler alert for you to listen to our and Conversations. For, and that also means for Harry Potter fans out there, there's no Quidditch playing during Christmas, apparently, in Norway, because you can't hop in your, in your broom and fly away. Um, but, uh, but, you know, we're reaching that point where we're getting to wrap up. And I love that we've done a little bit of Christmas here because Christmas really is a mashup of traditions, right? Um, historians have told us that it's very unlikely that Christ was actually born in December. That in fact, very unlikely. That, that date was just co-opted from more of a Roman uh, Saturnalia tradition of like giving gifts and putting evergreens together. That's very okay for the reasons that we talked about here. It's about the symbolism, right? It's about what we do with it. So maybe a good way of wrapping up here is asking yourself, so so what do you take away for this Christmas? What is what is the message or the things that you want to do this Christmas? I, I think we should do ladies first. Ladies first? All right. Because, yeah, especially the lady who's wearing this beautiful Christmas hat. <laughs> Why not? The takeaway for me is is to really, as beautiful as I, I like the the lights and the decorations and the Christmas trees and the Christmas ornaments, is really to 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 look at ourselves and and see, and ignite the light that is within ourselves and shine that light to to ourselves to our family members to everyone out there because this is a very special time of the year where we become closer we we get so busy with life so this is take this time to think to 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 shed the the most positive thoughts and uh, warmth and love to everyone wonderful wonderful flavio is that you or i next i think we should do age before beauty my friend go ahead oh okay oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like the little switcheroo there, the plot twist. Um, <laughs> um, I think that uh, my biggest takeaway from today and for Christmas in general is to going back to the idea of Christ. And I know that we hear a lot of like, put Christ back in Christmas, which I think is a little bit too edgy for me because I think Christ will be very okay with saying happy holidays to people, right? He wouldn't be into himself. So when I say put Christ back in Christmas, I'm saying going back to the idea of how do I know of the Christ? And what is it that I have learned about his passage here with us that I can apply to my life? What does it mean to be more Christmas-like or Christ-like, right? Uh, and how do I put that into play? So, so I think that's the message that I take away. And I want to be on brand here by following our topic, right? Like follow Christ, not Christians. 
I think the idea is to go back to the origin. It's very okay to call yourself Christian, very okay to be part of a church or denomination, but let's also go back to the original message and check on understanding of what is it we think that that is. Love it. Because I think it also, yeah, it resonates with what I was thinking to say as well, which is uh, to bring ourselves closer and closer to Christ, to be more Christ-like, to always ask the question, what would Christ do if he were on my shoes right now? And this time of the year, especially coming, you know, uh, out of the uh, pandemic, still in the pandemic, uh, spending time with friends, spending time with family, right? I think this to me is the best present that we could all, you know, ask for. And if we are to give presents, let's give presents, but let's not forget to be present to people's lives. I think that to me is the two big messages that I look forward to, you know, doing and, and, and really uh, practicing more through the Christmas season. Great, thank you, Flavio. That is absolutely great. Um, and hey, Dan, I, before we wrap, I do have a question for you, if okay. I may. What do you I, heard, I heard over the grapevine that your you know, book is now available in a different format. Can you talk to us about that? Thank you for asking that kind, sir. I am very happy to share that a little bit earlier, a couple of weeks ago, um, we have released um, the audiobook version of Our Road to Damascus, which is available in all major platforms. Congratulations. And if you're looking for a stocking stuffer, you can download it today. You can do it in you know, audio, digital, or buy a paper copy. Although I'm sure the paper copy is not going to reach you. Uh, but it's really a different take on the personal transformation of Paul of Tarsus, right? Of, of St. Paul, so to speak. And, and do it in a way that is not as religion-y. It's more about the person. So thank you for bringing that up. And I hope that you guys enjoy. And you can shamelessly check it out at denacc.com. Oh, that's awesome. And for those of you who have not read the book, it's an amazing book that talks about, you know, Paul's journey and how we can really uh, mirror his journey to our own selves. Uh, you know, again, congrats, Dan, on the great work there. The, I haven't really heard the audiobook yet, but whose voice is in there, Dan? Oh, yes. It is narrated by the author. So you get to take me on your commute if you want to. Oh, like my God. Me in the living room, which might not be a good thing, but anyway, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Congratulations, Dan. And, and thank you. Thank you, Flavio, for reminding us of this uh, amazing new milestones for the book. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. Thank you for that, friend. And, you know, with that in mind, Marcia, uh, we are so excited to have you here. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, um, where can folks connect with you if they want to get to know more about you and anything else that you have in the works for us? Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, currently, I have moved just to recently to Nashville, so I am reaching for opportunities, but I have been working with the psychological series of Joanna DeAngelis. So I, I we, we discussed that on a weekly basis on Saturdays and another group on Sundays. We've doing a, a beautiful, beautiful work. You can reach me at uh, Marcia at Trajano.me. So it's my personal domain, very easy to, to, to reach me. I would love to hear from you and connect with you. And if you understand, trying to to hear more about the the amazing uh, Jungian perspective of spiritism and uh, the the teachings of our journey uh, let us know we're, we're there to, to talk about it so Marcia one more question if I may if somebody that's listening to us happens to live in the vicinity vicinity of Nashville and perhaps wanted to maybe study more you know Kardec's works can that individual reach out to you as well Absolutely. That would be a great honor and pleasure to talk about how we can do this here in the city. Absolutely. Awesome. Good luck with that. Thank you. Right. Dan, is that a wrap? That's a wrap, my friends. We just want to remind all our friends out there um, that we really appreciate you and we hope that you have a wonderful Christmas and holidays in general. We want to say thank you for watching or listening to Spiritist Conversations which is a production of the Spiritist Institute. And if you enjoy today's conversations, please share it with a friend and like us on social media too. It helps. It helps get the word out. And to revisit, revisit past episodes, head on over to YouTube for video or your favorite podcast platform for audio. We do both.
And of course, you can also find us at our website, spiritusconversations.org. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being with us, Marcia. Thank um, you. It's great to have you. And Flavio, always great to see you, my friend. Likewise, folks. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Have Bye a great everyone. one.